Hi, I'm Natalie Wires, along with Jason Nias from Digital River, an e-commerce company dedicated to helping brands go global and grow revenue. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our times. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started, lessons they've learned that have gotten them to where they are today, and what they believe is the future of online shopping. Hi, this is Natalie, and today I'm welcoming someone who is blazing new trails in the e-commerce world, most recently at GE Healthcare. Todd Donzelli was Vice President of Program Management, responsible for building GE Healthcare's global subscription model. Welcome, Todd. Thanks, Natalie. Really glad to be here. So we are definitely going to dive into your experience with subscriptions and healthcare because, you know, on the surface, that might seem like a bit of an odd pairing, but it was really interesting work. But before we get there, can you just tell us a bit about your career journey? Uh, Sure. Um, It's been a long journey. Uh, Most of it's been spent in high tech. Um, I'll just kind of give you the highlights. Um, I I got into technology back when it was really more of a generalist um, type of industry before it became as specific as it is today. And what I found is I I really enjoyed helping business people understand what technology could do for them. So I worked for a lot of, uh, you know, the major companies uh, growing up in the technology world, companies like Oracle, Siebel Systems, Salesforce.com and others. And most of my career was spent selling. About seven years ago, though, I had the opportunity to leave the field to take on you know, what I would describe as a, my first transformational program. Uh, at that time, Oracle um, was going through a transition from selling its products in a perpetual license mode to being all in on subscription. And they realized that they had to retool their North American sales organization. So I spent about a year and a half at Oracle helping them retrain over 2,000 salespeople and brought the concept of subscription selling and some of the new digital selling concepts to the company. So it was a really interesting program to, to really help change with, you know, help the people side of the transformation process. When I was done with that, uh, I received a call from some former colleagues that I worked with who are over at Salesforce. And at Salesforce at the time, they were at the point in their journey where they were having a tremendous amount of success in what I would say, you know, probably are the small to medium business uh, opportunities. But they really wanted to move into the enterprise space. And so they asked me to join and build an enterprise architecture program for them to, again, take that concept of technology for business people up to the executive level. So I built an enterprise architecture program at Salesforce, um, launched the inaugural class of uh, 47 global enterprise architects there. And you know, if, if you look at the time when those enterprise architects really came online at Salesforce, it does coincide very closely with that company's you know, ascension into you know, the top strata of software companies around the world. I'm not going to say that the enterprise architecture program was, you know, the reason for that happening, but I feel like those those folks really contributed to the value and the success of that company over time. And then in the world of software, it tends to be a small space. And in that small space, I got a call from Oracle and they said, hey, you were just at Salesforce, one of our biggest competitors. Can you come back and share some of your secrets? Uh, what does Salesforce do that we need to learn to do better? 
And so my last transformation effort um, with Oracle was around the go-to-market concept. In other words, taking product messaging and turning it from what was a traditional message of product uh, features, functions, branding into being all about customer outcomes and really making it about the customer. So kind of flipping the concept of what is the value of our product on its ear. And it was those three transformation programs that made me attractive to GE Healthcare. And it was that trans, you know, it was those transformations that brought me over to GE. And um, when I joined GE Healthcare, they asked me to see if I could put all three of those together into a complete end-to-end digital transformation of the company. And that starts with building a, a global subscription revenue model. So you, you really have built this career out of guiding large, or large organizations through digital transformation. I'd like to dive into that a bit more. What would you say is the secret to making these massive organizational shifts? There's, the, the secret is there isn't really a secret. Um, it is hard work and it's fundamentals. And I I think what I explained to folks when I joined GE is that there isn't a a magic solution for this. In other words, there isn't a secret formula or technology that those of us in high tech know of that you can come in and apply. It really does require the full effort of the company to get behind it. And that starts with senior leadership. There has to be a vision at the top of the company for what we want the experience for our customers to be like. And when we focus on that customer experience and we get the company rallied behind that senior leadership vision, it really gets everybody starting to move on the same course and starting to move at same speed. And that was one of the things I noticed at GE is that there were a lot of people who were very interested in doing this. And Natalie, it it, it was a really, it was an interesting experience in the fact that many of the people who I was working with were trying to do this on their own. And so there was a subscription revenue concept at GE Healthcare. The challenge was there wasn't one, there were dozens. In other words, every product team, every part of the business had their own idea for what a subscription revenue model and a customer facing experience should be. So the biggest challenge I had was to create a unified vision out of all of those separate efforts. And that was really the, that was the foundation upon which we started to build the program. That's so incredibly relatable, right? Of I think, you know, most people who work at a, a bigger company can point to things where, you know, you know that there's lots of disparate things happening that are related throughout the company, but there's no one looking at the big picture and looking at how can we tie this all together? Is that really what you were brought in to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I described it as you know, we jokingly called it when I joined the SaaS Hobby Club. Uh, these these were folks who had a day job, and it was not to build a subscription revenue model. So they were taking their own personal time. They were working, working nights and weekends, trying to pull this together. And what GE realized is that it takes a leader and a team that is focused on this every single day. When I get up in the morning, that is that is all I think about is the subscription revenue model at GE and how do we implement that. 
And it also created a rally point around which all of these different teams who wanted to do things their own way could come to us and start to find consistency and simplicity. And as I started to explore what had been done up to this point, um, the good news is there was a tremendous amount of work being done already, which we were able to leverage. The challenge was sifting through a lot of the repetitive or um, I'll call more complicated elements that were put in place and just trying to drive it simple, um, make things easier internally. So in turn, we can make them easier for our customers. Let's let's actually step back, take a step back for our listeners of, you know, sure. GE Healthcare for you, you know, implementing subscription, what was the what was the subscription for? What was it that you were building this model to allow GE to do? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And actually, uh, I'll, I'll go back. I'll talk a little bit about GE Healthcare as, as a business. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, I came from the world of enterprise software. And coming to GE, I, I took a, a, quite a leap and moved out of the world of enterprise software into medical device manufacturing. GE Healthcare makes some of the world's most amazing medical devices. Uh, things like MR scanners, CT scanners, uh, ultrasound, everything all the way down to blood pressure monitoring systems to as expansive as big, I describe them as NASA-like control centers for very large hospital organizations. So they really, they provide a lot of the medical technology that helps people as they go through multiple courses of treatment. Well, like any company that's out there manufacturing goods, um, what they found is that their, pay, their, their customers, sorry, were actually trying to keep their equipment longer, trying to extend the life of this equipment, which is wonderful. But what that means is that just by extending the life of the equipment, they were not selling as much. And as more companies started to produce, you know, you know what I would say are, are quality, quality medical devices, it really put the entire industry on a path towards commoditization, where discounting your price point really becomes your main lever for competing and you know, getting the attention of your customers. And what the subscription um, software model was designed to do was create more of a high-touch, high-impact relationship with our customers to where we're not talking to them once every seven to 10 years, which was possible with some of these healthcare systems. But rather, we're establishing a regular cadence on a quarterly and a monthly basis where we're focusing on customer outcomes. So it was really changing the paradigm of how GE Healthcare engages with its customers. I imagine too that one of the big selling points was um, better and then patient outcomes, right? Like I don't want the healthcare provider that I'm going to to be using this outdated, like pushing the lifespan of the technology that they're going to use to, you know, treat my symptoms. I want them using the latest and greatest. Was that a part of the component of what you were looking to accomplish? It absolutely was, Natalie. And it's one of the things that digital brings to a manufacturing environment. When you add um, when, when you add technology into a physical device, especially technology that can be kept up to date and always bringing the latest and greatest learnings and in artificial intelligence and speed and efficiency and performance 
to a physical device, you extend the life of the machine, but more importantly, you extend the quality of that machine. So ultimately the patient benefits, but there was another aspect of this, which I didn't know, you know, not being a healthcare person, that the biggest issue that the hospitals, you know, most hospitals are facing around the world today is not the quality of the images. It's really more about the burnout, um, just the amount of healthcare you know, effort that needs to be provided by physicians, by technicians. And so increasing the clinical and operational efficiency of these machines means that we can get more people through from a scanning and imaging perspective, but we can do it in a way that doesn't create just a, a tremendous burden on our healthcare system. So it helps on the provider side by making life easier for radiologists and rad techs. And like you said, it also makes things a lot better for the patient because you're getting the very best quality imaging, which leads to better healthcare results. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating. Um, I imagine though, and this is something that we talk about a lot with any really, you know, big sort of B2B manufacturing type company who's looking to implement, you know, a direct to consumer channel or a subscription model is it does disrupt the, the sales cycle and the sales, the way that the salespeople think about their job. Was that a bit, how did you deal with that group? I imagine you having a sales background was incredibly beneficial because you knew how they thought mm -hmm. and what, what their concerns would be. How did you get buy-in from that group? Uh, we, we talked about one of the, the, the key elements of the transformation program itself is senior level buy-in. And just like with what the, you know, our CEO of the company guided me towards in terms of where he wanted the company to go, I, I sat down with our senior commercial leaders and really helped them understand the value of what this new subscription model means in terms of relationships with their customers. They were actually, they were quite hungry for new ways to engage with their customers. They were looking for reasons to spend more time with them. The challenge was there wasn't a good vehicle or a good way to spend more time with customers and keep it more about customer outcomes and less about pushing product. So we really talked about the value of bringing a, this digital selling model to GE as a way to get our sellers closer with our customers. Because at the end of the day, if you're not spending time with your customers or they're not spending time with you, they're probably spending it with somebody else. And you know, it's a competitive market out there, like, like most industries. And we were looking for ways for GE to spend more time with our customers, but also on the flip side, to have our customers see us as more than just a vendor, because we're there to help them deliver better care to patients. And that's ultimately what we started to drive towards from a commercial perspective is we, you know, our salespeople became more in tune with the needs and the rhythms of our customers. Yes, absolutely. Were there other groups within the organization who were critical to get on board or maybe hesitant that you needed to really sell the value of this program? Yeah, I, I would say that um, there were definitely some other really important areas. The, the second biggest one I would say, or probably as big as our commercial or our selling business is our services business. Um, we provide excellent support 
for the equipment out there. And obviously it has, it has to be running. It has to be running at optimum levels for it to do what it needs to do. We have a very large services organization who always took a, a, a wonderful approach to the relationship with our customers, but it was more about break fix. If something breaks, how quickly can I get a field technician out there and get something repaired? But what our services folks realized is that just like with our sellers, they were looking for more reasons to engage with our customers. And waiting for that phone to ring and having that be the starting point for that interaction with your customer was good, but it always kept us in a reactive mode. And by bringing subscriptions in, uh, it allowed us to have a more proactive approach with our customers through a concept of not just customer service, but what's familiar to a lot of SaaS companies is customer success, which is let's go in and proactively look at what you're trying to accomplish as a healthcare provider system and target what we are selling you towards meeting those goals, right? So it, it wasn't about just waiting for the phone to ring so I can come out and repair a piece of equipment. It is sitting down with the customers and trying to be more of a strategic partner, just like we were trying to do in sales. How did the customer base respond to this? Uh, surprisingly well. Uh, we ran a, a number of surveys, uh, both here in the U.S. as, as well as globally, um, because there was initial impression. And one of the things that I had heard anecdotally is, you know, healthcare is a is a more reactive industry. They're not going to look at a new business model and embrace it in the way that some other industries may have. But as we spoke to some of our customers, especially some of the leading influencers, folks like Mayo Clinic, uh, Cleveland Clinic, for example, uh, sat down with a couple of their technology leaders. And we actually found out that not only are they ready to embrace a new business model, that's what they expect us to bring to the table. So it was a little bit of an eye-opener for the company to realize that our customer base had this latent need for or latent desire for this new technology and new way of interacting with us. So once we were able to share those findings, uh, it, it really cemented with our senior leadership that this is the direction the company absolutely must go in. Yeah, it reminds me of um, another trend that we talk about a lot in B2B is that you know, the people buying, making these buying decisions, they're consumers and they're used to the B2C consumer experience of, you know, it, it getting choice and of, you know, having it be this really, you know, exceptional buying experience and that that needs to be pulled through to the B2B landscape as well. So it sounds like you were, you know, pioneers in, in making that pivot. Very much so. And I, I, I like your analogy, where, or I like your, your comparison to the, the business to consumer world, because all of our expectations now are set by you know, what we do personally, whether it's you know, buying a device online, going into a store and being able to return something. Just the entire consumer experience is, is what we now expect uh, today in the business world. Uh, we don't want to go through long, arduous processes. We want a click to buy click to serve, click to chat. We want to be able to get that immediate turnaround in terms of either a purchase or more importantly, solving a problem and making sure that you have that infrastructure set up is absolutely vital to any company that's looking to go through this digital transformation. 
Well, it sounds like a fascinating project and one that was ultimately very successful. But I, I always think that we can learn just as much from looking back about what we maybe would have done differently if we were able to start again. Uh, is there anything that you would have changed or done differently now that you have the hindsight 2020 behind you? Yeah, there's... Uh... I'm, I'd like to say that I'm a, I'm a smarter person than I was when I joined a few years ago. And uh, if I could go back in a time machine, I'd, I'd be emphasizing a, a few different things. Um, the, the first is really being putting ourselves out there more, being more vocal about what we intend to do. Uh, I would say that this was a, a, a successful transformation and implementation of this new business model, but we kind of did it in stealth mode. We didn't talk a lot, it, a lot about it in the market or at trade shows. We hinted that these things were coming, but we never really climbed up on the top of that business transformation hill and planted that flag and made the public declaration that, hey, we're different. We're doing things differently than other folks in this space. And I think, you know, just you know, being, being loud, being vocal about what we're doing um, was something that I would, I'd definitely, I really want to emphasize that a lot more uh, sim simply because I think once you make that declaration, number one is it gets you attention, but it also focuses your attention as a company. When you make a public declaration of any kind, you really have to stick to it. Yeah. And it, 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 removes the wiggle room that sometimes you like to have from a business perspective. But if you look at most companies today, um, you know, Salesforce, great company, I always hold up as a gold standard in this transformation space. Um, they go big and they move very fast and they're very loud about what they're doing. But that's important in today's world because there's a lot of noise out there. And in order to be heard above the noise, you have to be very loud and very clear about what your intentions are. So I would say that would be my biggest learning, something that I'd, I'd like to have us do a little bit more of. So subscriptions are this growing part of e-commerce. I'm curious, where mm -hmm. do you see the future of subscriptions going in general or in the healthcare world specifically? Sure. So if we look at subscription in healthcare, it, it's starting with what I would call the low-hanging fruit, which is the digital products. It's software that focuses, like I said, on clinical and operational efficiency. Um, it really, it, it's driven in the digital world to begin with. However, that's not ultimately where I think this is going. Um, what we're hearing from customers is they don't want to own these really large, uh, expensive imaging devices, these fleets of MRI machines or, or CT scanners. What they're looking for is a more um, subscription-based collaboration or partnership model where they may pay per scan. Uh, or, for example, uh, we may take over an entire care pathway. So GE Healthcare may provide an end-to-end -end solution for your oncology department. So someone coming in with a cancer diagnosis can go through the full oncology pathway through a healthcare system where we manage all of the devices and the technology that helps the physicians treat those patients better. So it's really offloading the whole concept of ownership in terms of the medical devices and the medical technologies to allow physicians to focus primarily on the patient. And when you do that, it allows you to really keep the focus on people where it should be. 
and not trying to figure out how do I afford the latest technology? How can I keep current with this? It's just really focused on, I know what I'm going to provide my patient is the very best care possible. So, you know, we talk about, you know, MRIs as a service, for example, uh, where you pay by the scan. Um, these are these are things that are out there in the future that I eventually see healthcare moving towards. We're not there yet. We're in the very early stages. As I look across the industry, it's still a new concept, but people are starting to recognize that there's tremendous potential, not just for the digital side of the business, but the actual physical side of the business as well. That's fascinating. I that that would be really exciting and bring a lot of, you said, better outcomes, efficiencies within the business, all that would would change based on just a new model. Yeah. And if you think about the last year with what's happened globally, um, it's really accelerated the process. We've moved from a physical world to a virtual world pretty much overnight. And I can tell you just from personal experience, having um, checkups with my doctor, they're all online now. Yes. And even if the doctor is seeing folks in the office, I still have the opportunity to do everything online from checking my chart to getting a virtual exam. It's, it's, excel, it's, it's created a pace of a change within healthcare that, frankly, this industry did not expect. Yeah. But it's great to see both you know, providers like GE Healthcare as well as hospital systems really rallying to the cause. And I've seen more change in the healthcare industry in the last 12 months, and I've, it's probably been there in the last decade. So we've taken a, a global crisis, and I think we're, we're coming out of it stronger, and we're coming out of it faster. And to me, that's, that's, a, that's just a testament to the people that I work with. That's amazing. Um, so Todd, you did recently make the decision to leave GE Healthcare. Where, what's next for you? Who are you going to help with a big digital transformation yet next, or what are you looking to do? Well, it's, um, as you can probably tell, I, I've been bitten by the transformation bug. Uh, I, I joke about that, but I, I really do enjoy helping companies lay out the vision and the strategy for where to go. Um, as I look at the next chapter in my career, I want to help another company go through this. I want to help multiple companies doing this. I, I really enjoy bringing the concepts of technology to the business world and helping people understand that there is so much more that they can do if they simply just a- apply a different way of thinking. So for me, it's it's carrying on this transformation effort, but just doing it again and again, because there's a lot of companies out there who are looking to do this, but where they struggle is simply just getting that first step. And if you can set the strategy and the direction, they'll they'll take off and they'll go running. So my next chapter is, is probably going to be more focused around helping more companies go through the same journey that GE Healthcare has just gone through and continues to go through because it's, an, it's, an, it's a journey really without a destination and, and shouldn't have an end point. It should yes. always be evolving. Ongoing. The world is moving too fast, right? As soon as you complete one transformation, then there's another one you need to take get on the horizon. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the market changes too. And so, yeah. like you said, you know, where, wherever you think you are today, you're not going to be there tomorrow because something is going to happen internally or externally that's just going to change your world. And so it creates, you know, in my mind, a more resilient business model because it's more flexible and it's faster. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we'd love to learn a bit about where our guests are getting their inspiration. Uh, let's start with who influences you. 
Oh boy. Um, I consider myself a, you know, a lifelong learner. So I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, either dig into the past or keep up with folks modern times. Um, as I think about who influences me, I've got some foundational um, things that I really, I really believe in very strongly. And those are driven by a gentleman. His name is Peter Drucker. Um, I don't know if you know the name, but he's, you know, he's considered by many to be the, the, like the, the father of the modern management principles. Uh, he was a real visionary. He, he had some management concepts um, and th- these management concepts are, th- you know, he wrote his books 30, 40 years ago. Um, and as you think about the, the visionary concept of, of really defining what a, a modern knowledge worker is today and how do you manage and motivate people, he is one of the folks who I constantly go back to and I look at his management and leadership principles. So for me, that, that was a real strong foundation that I've always laid um, my management principles upon. Uh, more, you know, I would say more currently, though, I, I look at who's moving the market today. And I think one of the folks who I find most influential is uh, the current CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella. Um, I describe him as a humble genius. Um, if, and he, he really does carry that moniker for me. Um, if I look at the way he has transformed one of the world's largest technology companies, um, it's been impressive. Um, just It's been extraordinary. But he's done it in a way with humility, and he's done it in a way that's created a, an atmosphere within the company where there is a true passion and love for what folks are doing there. And I really think he sets a tremendous vision for what an inspirational leader can be. And so that leadership through service, that humility is something that I'm, I I admire tremendously. And I I try to model my behavior after. And since this is Commerce Connect, I, my next question should be obvious. Have you had any great commerce experiences recently that just absolutely wowed you? Well, in terms of wowing me, um, let's, when I define what wows me, um, to me, that's, that's meeting my expectations, but also going beyond. And um, so I'm, you know, just for me personally, I'm, I'm an avid outdoor enthusiast. I love being outside, whether it's hiking, biking, skiing, doing whatever I can. And one of my favorite shopping sites um, is a company called REI, uh, Outdoor Equipment Company. And what I like about the REI experience is that, first of all, they have a really nice linkage between their online site and their retail stores. So that linkage between e-commerce and brick and mortar is very seamless. I can go into the store, buy something, have it delivered. I can buy something online, have it delivered at a store. It just, it, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. But what, what the other thing I really like about the experience is that there's a tremendous um, crowdsource community in terms of feedback on products, um, feedback on, you know, different offers and stuff like that. So I can go out there, I can find like-minded individuals, people who have the same interests I do, and I can see how they rate performance on certain outdoor products. So for me, that tie between, you know, the corporate perspective and that crowdsource community perspective, I find to be really, really important because I, you know, marketing is marketing, but 
if someone's actually using something out in the field and they're getting great results with it, and I'm hearing that that's the type of equipment I want for my next outdoor adventure, it's a really compelling reason for me to buy. So I think they do a really nice job of tying those things together in a neat package from an e-commerce perspective. Yes, I agree. They do a great job. And finally, are there any podcasts or books that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Um, I, I, I have many. Um, I, I discovered podcasts a number of years ago, and those have become my, my favorite way to consume information simply because I could do it on the go. Uh, no matter where I'm at, I could be on a bike ride, I could be on an airplane, be in the car, going to the office. Um, I, I, I tried to narrow this down to just a few. Um, one of the ones that I really enjoy, and this, again, I'll talk to the world of you know, digital transformation and SaaS, which is really where, where my day lives. Um, there's a, a really interesting organization out of the Bay Area called SASTR, S-A-A-S-T-R. Um, so they have both uh, a podcast as well as a, a forum where you can just talk about general topics about subscription. And it's all customer driven. It's all companies that are going through various stages of either startup growth or large companies that are launching a subscription model. So you get a great intersection of technology and business people coming together on a regular basis. So I'd look at them as a foundational or general tech topic podcast that I really enjoy listening to. And then if I narrow it down more importantly to, well, what does the business of SaaS need to look like? How do you know whether or not your business is really achieving the goals, the metrics and success? Uh, there's a guy out there, Ben Murray, who's, you know, he's, he's, he calls himself the SaaS CFO. And he has a tremendous website. Um, I actually, I use a lot of it for my, my metrics and reporting dashboards that we built here at GE. Uh, he has a great insight into the formulas and the critical metrics that matter when you're measuring your success as a business. And so I, I think he, he does a really nice job of encapsulating the business of SaaS. And then the last one is, you know, kind of a, from my world of enterprise software, uh, it's, a, it's a, a podcast called Cloud Wars uh, by Bob Evans. So Bob is a, a former colleague of mine at Oracle, and he kind of went off on his own and he does a weekly scorecard of, you know, who are the most influential, important cloud companies out there? His cloud top 10 list uh, is always something that I check on. I, you know, I, I see how companies like Oracle and Google and Amazon and Microsoft are always kind of buying and jockeying for position. But it, it brings a nice market point of view to the conversation. So I'd say those three are ones that I listen to religiously. And I, I really enjoy, and I'd recommend anybody who's looking at either digital transformation or just the subscription world in general, you can benefit a lot from talking with any three of, you know, talking or listening to any three of those podcasts. Awesome. Well, Todd, it has been a true pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time and good luck with your, whatever your next move may be. Natalie, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. It's great talking with you. You've been listening to Commerce Connect, brought to you by Digital River and edited at Matriarch Digital Media in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more, head to digitalriver.com.